I'm not at liberty to mention all of them, but the chairperson of the disciplinary hearing rejected the evidence of three police officers who were there to implicate my client and accepted the fourth one, uh, the fourth police officer who vindicated my client, who was part of that operation, by the way. Well, in spite of that, the chairperson still found my client guilty, although the one witness from the employer who testified corroborated my client's version. So, amongst others, those would be the, the ground of appeal. And another ground is that even though the employer took five years to investigate my client before they could discipline him, which is highly desirable in terms of the Labor Relations Act as well as the case law from the Labor Court, the Supreme Court of Appeal, which says that there must be a reasonable explanation as to why his discipline so late after the incident is alleged to have occurred. The employer did not respond to our argument about that particular issue, chose to ignore it, and the chairperson, without the answer from the employer, found that the time was reasonable, found that five years was reasonable for the employer to discipline my client, which we found to be very undesirable. However, those are some of the grounds. I'm not at liberty to mention the other grounds before we file the, the notice of appeal. So when will that notice of appeal be lodged? It has no planned date. However, we'll look on the police regulations, which give us about 30 days within which to lodge this appeal because the chairperson of the hearing did not, his sanction, inform my client of, my client of his rights of appeal. He simply dismissed him and not informed him about his right to appeal. Well, why does he feel like he's being pursued on this? Well, he feels that he's being, he's being pursued, you know, even though there's no evidence against him. And yet, his boss, who took him to a meeting in Zimbabwe in 2010, after he was a, before he was appointed as the head of housing, took him to a meeting in 2010 in Zimbabwe, my client gets charged for that particular meeting. The charge sheet initially stated that the trip was unauthorized, and it was changed during the hearing to say the trip was authorized because my client produced a document which shows that the trip was authorized. So what I'm saying is that my client was charged for that trip which was authorized by the employer. His employer was dramatic at the time. The minister approved the trip. My client gets charged for that trip, and dramatic is no longer in the picture. And when my client is found guilty of, of these uh, so-called transgressions, he gets dismissed from the police force, and Ramad is still in the police force in a way because he's still earning a police salary. So there's no consistency when you look at those aspects. You'll recall that General Dramat was the head of the DPCI, and the evidence that we had in the papers suggests that General Dramat had a meeting with the Zimbabwean police in his offices in Silverton at the head office of the Hawk. And when the allegations were brought to the fore, you'll recall that he was the first person to be suspended, and thereafter my client was suspended. However, General Dramat is given a 3 million rand handshake and a 60,000 salary up until his retirement age. And on the contrary, my client, who is vindicated in the hearing, gets found guilty and gets dismissed from the police force 